0: Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. According to the Bureau of Standards in Washington, D.C., a dense fog that covers seven city blocks to a depth of 100 feet is composed of less than one glass of water. You see, that amount of water is divided into about 60 billion tiny droplets. Yet when those minute particles settle over a city or the countryside, they can almost blot out everything from your sight. You know, many people today live their lives in a fog. They allow a cup full of troubles to cloud their vision and dampen their spirits. Anxiety, turmoil, defeat begin to strangle their thoughts. You see, life often does not work out, which really means it doesn't work out the way we would want it. You see, instead then of living positively, we live lives of fearful hesitation, Now, I'm not saying that we're to live in a dream world or that we're to go about being gullible. I mean living life in a way that we see God in the crucibles that come into our lives, that we can still see the sunshine that exists behind the fog. Author E.G. White, in her book, Heavenly Places, wrote the following. With the continual change of circumstances, changes come in our experience, and by these changes we are either elated or depressed. But the change of circumstances has no power to change God's relation to us. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he asks us to have unquestioning confidence in his love. Now, as we pick up our story this week in the life of Joseph, Jacob's sons have finally made their way back to Canaan. They have rehearsed their experiences in Egypt and have reported back to Jacob this incredible encounter with the prime minister. And, of course, they've mentioned the fact that Simeon, their brother, has been kept in Egypt has as a hostage until they return with their youngest brother, Benjamin. Now, this would have been the patriarch's opportunity to turn everyone's attention to Jehovah. Could God be at work in this? Did did God have a plan, some kind of marvelous, unexpected opportunity that is just presented here before them? They must trust in God. But but watch Jacob's response. Uh, Genesis chapter 42 beginning at verse 36. Their father Jacob said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and you would take Benjamin? All these things are against me. Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, You may put my two sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my care, and I will return him to you. But Jacob said, My son shall not go with you, for his brother is dead, and he alone is left. If harm should befall him on the journey you are taking, then you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. Jacob's sons had not only returned with food that they so desperately needed, but they had returned with all of the money also. They had been given grain from Egypt free of charge. All the prime minister asked was that they were to prove that they weren't spies by returning to Egypt and bringing their youngest brother, and then claiming Simeon, who they had left there as a hostage. Yet Jacob somehow doesn't see any of God's provision in this. He froze. He's in fear. And he's constantly focused on this worst-case scenario. His response is negative. It's it's a horizontal. Now, his, his sons had that same tendency. Remember, They were dismayed when they found the money. The brothers had responded negatively out of suspicion just as their father did right now. Now, incidentally, the original word here uh, that we've translated uh, dismayed is the same word used in Genesis 3, verse 10 to describe Adam's reaction after he had sinned and was hiding from God. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, so I hid. You see, sometimes we need to be afraid, especially when we've been in the wrong. Now, Jacob could have been thankful his sons were still alive. They had been accused of being spies, and, well, they could have been killed right there on the spot. Besides having their lives spared, they had been given the food they needed, and all of their money had been returned. All they had to do was just return and show the prime minister of Egypt that they really did have a younger brother, that they had been telling them the truth all along. But Jacob not only reacts negatively and horizontally, he overreacts. And as soon as he heard that they had left their brother in Egypt, he jumps to the conclusion that Simeon is dead, Joseph is dead, Simeon is dead. Everything is against me. So he he begins to sound paranoid and self-pitying. Hey, all these things, everything is against me. Jacob was supposed to be the patriarch of the clan. Supposed to be the spiritual leader. Yet, with a quick glance behind the scenes, as we sneak a peek through the back door of the tent... Well, we see Jacob as he really is. I mean, he's negative. He's closed-minded. He's a horizontal thinking man who's pulling his hair out in fear. Where is God in this? Everything is against me. And it says at that point, Reuben intervened once again, and he says, Dad, listen, I'll make you a deal. You may put my two sons to death if we don't bring Benjamin back to you. Jacob said, No, you can't take my son down there with you. His brother Joseph is dead, and he's the only one I have left. If anything should happen to him, I would die. Isn't it amazing? It's as if to Jacob, the other sons don't exist. He he doesn't include them with the two younger men, Joseph and Benjamin. Well, how about the other ten? It's as as if they're a separate entity and they're not as precious as the others. These two brothers, my sons, he calls them. He doesn't call them your brothers. My sons, he says. Sounds to me like a father showing those seeds of favoritism once again. At this point in Jacob's life, he's a grandfather, probably a great-grandfather, perhaps even a great-great-grandfather. He was a patriarch. He should have been saying to his boys, boys, listen, I know things may seem bleak, but this is the time we must trust in God's sovereign promises. We need to recall some of them to mind. God will provide Benjamin. Let's get on our knees. Let's pray for your safety. And let's just sit back and watch God work. There's a reason he put the money in those sacks. There's a reason God wants you to go down to Egypt. We don't know what it is yet, but we will trust God for that answer. But instead of that, Jacob reacts with suspicion, with fear, with paranoia, with, with negativism and pride. No, he says, no way. Benjamin is not going. Well, interestingly, God gets his way. He always does, but it's a lot more painful when we fight him and resist his leading based on negative thinking and horizontal perspectives and a resistance to change. Well, first, Jacob denied and delayed. Genesis chapter 43, beginning at verse 1. Now the famine was severe in the land, so it came about, when they had finished eating the grain which they had brought from Egypt, that their father said to them, Go back, buy us a little food. Judah spoke to him, However, saying, the man solemnly warned us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you do not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you will not see my face unless your brother is with you. God was at work. And as a result, the famine, well, it did not abate. Months maybe after Jacob's sons had returned with the grain from Egypt, once again, they're in serious trouble. That's it. That's all the grain. The last sack is empty, Dad. Okay, said Jacob, just go back to Egypt. Buy us more food. So we we can't go back. We can't go back unless we take Benjamin. The head guy, he warned us not to come without him. But Jacob, he's still in denial. He's still unwilling to face reality. He had refused to hear this when his sons first told him, and he had been denying it for months, refusing to lift a hand for the return of his Simeon. He simply resigned himself, to the fact that Simeon was lost forever, like Joseph. And thus, he's delaying in any kind of response. Then, when Judah tried to shake his father out of his denial, Jacob responded with blame and and deceit. Uh, Chapter 43 and verse 6. Then Israel said, Why do you treat me so badly by telling the man whether you still had a brother? Now, you need to remember here that Jacob's name meant deceiver. So we shouldn't be surprised when this pattern begins to emerge again. He says, why didn't you just lie? Why did you tell the truth? Proverbs twelve twenty two says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. Jacob's response when cornered was well, just lie. When his back is against the wall, he was still willing to be deceitful. Why would you guys ever tell him you had another brother? But something had happened to the conscience of Jacob's sons. Now several of them joined in trying to get their father to listen, to understand. If he wouldn't do what was right before them, then they decided to level with their father. Listen, Dad, they said, verse 7. But they said, the man questioned particularly about us, our relatives, saying, is your father still alive? Have you another brother? So we answered his questions. Could we possibly know that he would say, bring your brother down? Now, those of you that are parents watching, listen to this. Sometimes our children are in a difficult situation and they attempt to convey to us their concerns and their anxieties, but, 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 but we as parents, in anger and in pride, we stop listening. Instead, we begin to pontificate about some possible solution to the problem. We begin moralizing and blaming before we've heard all of the facts. Jacob's sons... We're simply trying to set the record straight to get their father to see the truth, Dad. We're there standing in front of Pharaoh's right-hand man, and he specifically asked us if our father was still living and if we had another brother. So we told him the truth. We said, "Yes. We have we had no idea why he was asking that. You see, the famine has not eased the situation. In fact, the situation is getting desperate. They had mouths to feed. And finally, Judah puts it on the line. He says, you can't continue to delay and deny the situation. I'll take responsibility for Benjamin's life. If anything happens to him, I will bear the consequences for the rest of my days. Come on, Dad, let's cooperate. If we had not delayed so, this long, we could have already been there and back. Twice with food. Judah offered to take the blame, even though blaming is a futile exercise. You see, you can yell all you want at darkness, but it doesn't make it light. But we like to blame. Dad, Judah said, if you want to blame somebody, blame me. But please, let Benjamin go. We're dying here. So Jacob reluctantly gives in. Verse 11. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best products of the land in your bags and carry down to the man as a present a little balm, a little honey, aromatic gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Take double the money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks Perhaps it was a mistake. Perhaps his response went something like this. Okay, all If right. You've got to do it. Then here's the procedure I want you to follow. He says, I want you to take gifts, things that were native to Canaan. Finally, they made a move. Verse, verse 13. Take your brother also and arise, return to the man, and may God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of the man, so that he will release to you your other brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Jacob says, take Benjamin and go, and may El Shaddai go with you and give this Egyptian compassion towards you so that he will spare Simeon and Benjamin and ask for me, poor me. If none of you come back, I'll just have to live with it. We've just heard the groanings of a very sad dad. Jacob said too much. If only he had stopped his farewell speech with Benjamin. No self-pity, no whining, no woe is me sniffling. Then those sons, well, they would have left with El Shaddai ringing in their ears and thinking that God Almighty would grant compassion. God Almighty will provide, just as our father reminded us. But no, Jacob, again, he takes the low road. It's a resignation of a willingness to accept the worst possible scenario. Verse 15. So the men took this present, and they took double the money in their hand, and Benjamin. Then they arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. I wonder what those 10 men, those 10 grown sons of Jacob, talked about during that journey from Canaan to Egypt. Uh, I just I have an idea. It might have been the same thing we would have talked about if we were in their shoes. I also believe these men were beginning to be broken. Perhaps, perhaps they spoke about how much they missed their brother Joseph. You know, with with Benjamin there among them, maybe they felt this was a good time to express their sorrow over their past actions and together sincerely request God's power and protection. I so want to believe that God was starting to melt their hearts before him. In fact... That's the beauty of this story as it progresses. We're led to wonder what exactly they were thinking. But we so desperately want to get to the end and see the happy ending, but we, but we have to wait. You see, there's always something that we have to learn along the way. When we are on our journey from Canaan to Egypt, we tend to be negative rather than positive. You and I, we tend to live life horizontally rather than vertically. We tend to be resistant rather than open to that which is new and unexpected. And as a result, we're more often than not reluctant or suspicious, very closed people. We we become threatened by the unexpected, And when something unexpected comes up, we put up our defenses. Or we raise the paranoia banner. They're all against me. They don't understand. We all need some techniques to break these habits. We need to make a conscious effort to break some of these long-standing habits. If you're negative today, chances are that when you wake up tomorrow morning, you're still going to be negative. In fact, tomorrow you're going to be better at being negative because you've perfected it for one more day. That means we need to first and foremost pray for strength. Then we need to make the conscious effort to respond. Could God be in this? Is God trying to get through to me or God, how would you like me to react to this situation? I invite you to come and help me deal with this. Give me clear direction. The answer that would please you or the strength to sit here and wait for your answer. But God, I want to see you in all of this. You see, I have no idea where this program hits you today. But I know this... Life is full of challenges and full of changes. Both of those can be very difficult to face. I know. Listen, my family and I have faced some changes and challenges ourselves. They can be very hard to handle. Even when you have a very positive, vertical mentality. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you right now. That for whatever challenge you may be facing right now, that God can get you through it. Let me pray for you right now. Lord, with your help, we can start today. Give us fresh hope to think positively, to trust in your sovereign control over everything we shall encounter. Dear God, just calm our fears. Give us fresh courage and a strong confidence in you. Father, make us contagiously enthusiastic as we continue in this way of thinking and living. Turn our focus from the horizontal to the vertical. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, every week we look for resources that we can send out to you just to to help you in your spiritual journey. Um, and, And sometimes it's a challenge. Uh, not only finding good resources, but finding resources that are affordable um, that we can make available to you like we do free of charge. But the other day I came across this little book. It's a a small little book. It's called When Death Isn't Fair. Uh, It was written by Joy Swift. I'll tell you, uh, uh, this lady's story is, is, is something. Four of her five children were murdered in a single night. That wasn't bad enough. Her oldest daughter, Stephanie, at the age of 17, dies of cancer. Joy has plumbed the depths of grief, and she's gone the distance, it says. This little book will encourage the comforter and empower the bereaved as they walk into the valley of the shadow of death and back into the light again. I'd love to send you this book as a gift. AND STRENGTHEN YOU. IF YOU'D LIKE THIS BOOK FOR YOURSELF, OR MAYBE TO GIVE TO A FRIEND OR A FAMILY MEMBER, HERE'S THE INFORMATION YOU NEED IN ORDER TO REQUEST YOUR COPY.
1: TO RECEIVE TODAY'S FREE OFFER, YOU CAN LOG ON TO THE LESSONS FOR LIVING TELEVISION WEBSITE, WWW.L4LTV.COM. THAT'S THE LESSONS FOR LIVING TELEVISION WEBSITE, WWW.L4LTV.COM. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe-Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe-Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337.
0: Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Thank you so much for watching. let me encourage you to let your friends know about the program Uh, one of the ways that you can introduce them to the program is through our website our l4ltv.com website Uh, on the website all of the previous programs are listed there and you can refer your friends or family to the website they can see those Um, you can find out where there are different bible study groups if you're looking for to join a bible study group there's a option there where you can put in your address and find a Bible study group close to your home if you're unable to find one just write to me and I'll I'll put you in contact with some folks that'll study with you you can send a Bible question in if you're looking for answers you can find out where I will be appearing live now most Saturdays I'm at my church at 89 Center Avenue in Toronto but you can check on the live appearances tab, and you can make a donation online also to keep the ministry on the air, to help cover our studio time, our air time, the, the gifts we send out to you. Every penny donated goes directly to those things. Not one penny comes to cover my salary. Let me also remind you of our YouTube channel. You can subscribe to that. Like us on Facebook, and visit our missionnowcanada.com website. Mission Now Canada is the overseas mission component of our ministry join us on a mission trip make a donation specifically for our overseas work well we are simply out of time i hope we have the opportunity to do this again real soon in the meantime i'll be praying that god blesses you richly we'll see you back here again real soon